Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, joins as well for our midweek podcast. You can get Talking Tide at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get them. We're live on Facebook and YouTube as well. Want to quickly thank our sponsors, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and Heat Pizza Bar. More on those fine establishments later in the program. Of course, the Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Links to all of our twice-weekly podcasts right there on the Twitter feed. So give us a follow there. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. We'll take you through this Alabama season. Travis, uh, we convene here on the midweeker to take a look ahead at this Mississippi State game. It's the first road SEC game of the season for the Crimson Tide. Late kickoff, 8 p.m. it goes. Uh, over in Starkville, live on ESPN. Um, and Travis, uh, you know, the, I was at Raymond James, okay? It was not noisy in the least. It sounded a little like Dudley Field maybe on the noise meter. Uh, but uh, it's going to be different in Starkville. That's a noisy place. And, you know, setting the cowbells aside, right? They got the rule that hushes the cowboys when the cowbells – when they need to be hushed. Uh, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a few latent rings. You're not uh, supposed to sure. doctor the baseball either, you know, right. that's right. Uh, but as it pertains to Alabama's offensive line, Travis, which has been uh, frankly the sore spot for this team a month into the season, that's where road noise affects you the most for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how that group responds, I think, because it's not going to be the same as it was at Raymond James Stadium uh, taking on South Florida from a noise perspective. Yeah, that I would think was more of almost a neutral site at best situation for the home team sure. in South Florida. This should be much more along the lines of a true road test, although I would anticipate Alabama people being there in pretty large numbers. It's an easy trip. Mississippi State has lost a couple games in a row. It's a late kickoff. So there are some things, I think, that work in Alabama's favor in all of this when we consider this uh, particular trip and, and what it could signify for this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But no doubt, uh, there are still questions to be answered. I think uh, you hit on some of them with the offensive line and also with Jalen Milrow. I mean, we saw him on the road last year at Arkansas respond off the bench, uh, but we're going to see how he can hold up with a with a start here in the SEC West on the road. Take a look at these Bulldogs really quick, Travis. Starting with the offense, Will Rogers back at quarterback, uh, not having the year he's used to having under the late Mike Leach. This is a much more balanced offense. As a matter of fact, it's a little run heavy, has been for the most part, uh, under Zach Arnett and so um it and it's an offense that, that struggles a lot a lot Rodgers has struggled a lot bounced back last week uh for sure hey. kind of looked like his old self but you know there there have been a couple games where they've only thrown 18 20 balls I think Travis and so that uh um that's that's part of it this 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 is Mississippi State offense that's still trying to find itself yeah, last week was like, what was that? Because they did throw it 48 times at South Carolina. You're right. Prior to that, uh, it was a little Stallings ballish 
uh, with what they were asking Will Rogers to do. But Tulu Griffin went off last week for 256 receiving yards, working primarily from the slot. Uh, so that perks up your your ears a little bit when you see that type of performance. And, you know, I think that um, State has some solid guys on the outside, but I, uh, as much as anything, I think there's a couple of guys you have to account for. It starts with Woody Marks at the running back position. He's off to a nice start to the season and making that switch from the air raid to something more along the lines of what you see from pro-style offenses in 2023. And then, again, um, with what Griffin can do, uh, working inside and you know working against perhaps Malachi Moore a good bit coming up this weekend. Yeah, that should be an interesting matchup. Will Rogers um, had had a ton of luck against Alabama. Mississippi State on the whole uh, dropped 15 straight to the Crimson Tide. Travis took care of business uh, back in 07, kind of caught Nick Saban the year you needed to catch him. Uh, and then uh, from 2008 on, it's been all Alabama in that series, including seven in a row in Starkville. Uh, so uh, that's what you're looking at on offense. Defensively for Mississippi State, Travis, uh, Nathaniel Watson, the linebacker, who got a lot of preseason uh, hype. He's lived up to it. He's a heck of a player. Jet Johnson having a strong – it's a strong group of linebackers for sure. Uh, Secondary has been a sore spot at Mississippi State, especially these last couple weeks. Got lit up by Jaden Daniels of LSU. Got lit up. Uh, by Spencer Rattler right on the heels of that. Um, so pass defense, an issue. But, uh, you know, up front, Nick Saban seems to think that the physicality uh, and the scheme in terms of the aggressiveness with this front seven from Mississippi State could present some problems. Again, going back to an offensive line that's had its issues. Yeah, I don't think Alabama – maybe it will. Maybe it'll just come right out and two tights and – run the football for four straight quarters on this Mississippi State defense. And, you know, I know Mississippi State is, statistically anyway, in run defense, not exactly at the top of the league standings, but I think they give up around three and a half yards per carry, which is, you know, that's that's not terrible. You know, so uh, they've been solid, as you would expect, because of primarily the guys that you outlined. You know, I think Johnson and – um, you know, the inside linebacker situation there is kind of reminiscent to me of what we see a lot of years from Arkansas. I mean, you got a couple of guys that are probably going to have 100-plus tackles for state in that defense. But, uh, you know, you're right. The secondary has just been – it's been a dumpster fire without being able to put it any better than that. And I think part of that, too, is when I look at the state defense, yes, I like the interior people. But as far as edge pressure, having a Dallas uh, Turner type of guy, uh, having a Chris Braswell type, I don't really see that uh, with this defense at State. And that's kind of made the situation on the back end even more problematic. I think a big step, Travis, for this offensive line of Alabama going against this defense is, is to see if they can start getting more movement up front. Uh, because we're seeing a lot of zone blocking from this Alabama offensive line, a lot of the combo blocks. And it's not all, you know, some of these zone concept combo blocks, you got a guy who's really just chipping and then moving on to a linebacker, but not all of them. Some of them are straight up double teams where you're trying to guarantee movement up front. You're trying to create a gash uh, and a hard time maybe for a linebacker behind uh, to scrape and make a play. And, we're not seeing that, frankly, a lot with this Alabama offensive line yet. And I think if this 
if this line is, is going to grow and develop, it's going to be a good test to see if they can um, get some push up front and kind of create that, that, that new line of scrimmage that, you know, that, you know, coach Fulford's looking for. Yeah. You know, the duo run play as it's called was a favorite of Tommy Reese's at Notre Dame. And it essentially, uh, essentially consists of double teams early. And then you do try to get up to the second level. It's, it's a concept that's used across football. You know, it, it's nothing overly innovative, but the, the idea is to get the back eventually in a situation where he is making his decision off of the opposing Mike or inside linebacker. And that kind of puts that guy in a tough spot against a running back with either side of the field to work with. And, you know, we've seen flashes of this run game doing what most anticipated it to do on a consistent basis, especially in the second half of the last two games. So you said it, can Alabama come out early and establish that momentum on the ground and including Jalen Milrow as a part of that. I think, you know, it's still asking a lot of Jalen, especially going on the road um, to sit in the pocket and deliver uh, on a consistent basis. They, they've got to be able to run the football uh, consistently, especially these next couple of weeks on the road. Definitely seems like the book on Milrose so far is not the blitz, right? You rush three, you rush four, you might get home uh, with Alabama's struggles up front. You spy Milrow with a linebacker, a safety, what have you, uh, and then you just take a, a whatever numbers advantage you can in the back end uh, because if you're only rushing three, you're going to have that that advantage. And so um, that, that's, that's kind of – to me, that's kind of what Milrow is going to have to break through, and it's – and it's not easy because even if you get a lot of time to throw, which with a three-man rush, you should certainly, um, you know, it, it can be treacherous back there when, when there's seven, eight in coverage. This would seem to be a good spot for RPO because you got to think state's going to be amped up on slowing down the run game, especially with the backs and Jason McClellan uh, and Roydell Williams. And that action – uh, could help open some windows maybe in the RPO game. But haven't really seen all that much of it really with Jalen Milrow uh, so far in his start. So, um, you know, I think Jalen is, again, designed runs. I'll be interested to see if there's continued expansion in terms of variety uh, that they go with some of that. Uh, but I have no question that from the outset of Saturday night's game, as you sort of alluded to, it's an interesting sort of chess match uh, between these staffs because Zach Arnett, I think at his core, he wants to bring people, even if it does mean he leaves a very, very, very vulnerable secondary exposed, which they have done. They did it just mm -hmm. this last week at South Carolina. And, you know, quarterbacks like Spencer Rattler, you give them that look enough, they hit that crosser, and a guy like Leggett for South Carolina catches a, you know, a four-yard crossing route, and it turns into a 75, 80-yard touchdown. Um, you know, those are, the, those are the things that, you know, if, if I were Zach Arnett, I, based on the tape that, that he's seen and his staff has seen, I'd probably be a little more selective in when I brought pressure this week. Deontay Lawson in the news today as well. The Alabama linebacker uh, not available for practice on Wednesday per Nick Saban, Travis. 
makes him uh, Saban's words, not mine. I think he's called him very questionable. Terrence Ferguson as well along that offensive line. Be a big blow for Alabama not to have Lawson in there. He's a call maker for that front. Uh, but beyond that, uh, he he's looked good, Travis. I, I, I think he's had a, a solid season. Um, certainly looks to me like a better f- overall player than he was a year ago for Alabama. And he's a, he's a key peg in there, uh, because they don't quite have, they don't quite have things all figured out at inside linebacker with him, much less without him. Yeah. I think confidence was the biggest thing you were seeing from Deontay in comparison to a year ago when it seemed like when he got on the field early in games, it took him a little bit to kind of get his legs under him Uh, really from the start of his starts so far this season. uh, He, he was showing up in a, in a confident manner. So yeah, that's problematic potentially, but this is also why you went to the transfer portal to bring in a guy like Trez Marshall. You know, if you have to, you can lean on him to run the show from one of those inside linebacker positions I think Jihad Campbell is probably at a point where he can do more of that too. Uh, Kendrick Blackshire should be, and Kendrick's what, in his third year in the program? So they have capable options, and more importantly, guys that they have integrated into the defense during competitive times of games to this point. It hasn't just been mop-up duty for these guys. They've been out there. It's been platoon-like in a lot of ways, so – uh, Deontay obviously is their guy, uh, but the situation really uh, has played out okay, I'd say, given how much they've been able to work the others. It's been a really solid defensive performance from Alabama, really for two weeks in a row when you put the South Florida game and the Ole Miss game together. Uh, it, it, it's been excellent since uh, giving up 34 to Texas. If they're able to carry that over on the road without Lawson, be a good sign for this defense overall to have a guy who's right in the middle of it. More than likely, it sounds like be absent or at least be very limited uh, if they can if they can get the job done uh, with kind of a hole in the middle there. Uh, hard to argue with the with the uh, the notion that this defense is coming along pretty quickly. Yeah, it it kind of just stinks for Robert Bala, the inside linebackers coach, and. Kevin Steele, really, that, you know, you were getting Jihad Campbell back to whole. Now, he had had the injury early in the season, in the preseason. Um, last week, he he looked as good as we've probably seen him to this point. And then you lose Deontay Lawson. So, uh, you'd like to see that group fully together at full strength at some point. But, yeah, that's the concern, too, big picture-wise. You know, that kind of injury that Deontay has had in – the way he plays, you know, he can go sideline to sideline. He very good in coverage. You know, does this become, uh, you know, uh, this point moving forward throughout the remainder of the season situation for him? You hope not. Um, but again, it, it seems to be that kind of injury. Let's turn to Alabama special teams for just a couple minutes before we move on in the program. Kind of overlooked, I think, the last couple of weeks, Travis, because Alabama has won by – 14 in each of the last two weeks typically special teams just tends to get a lot more attention in close games right uh last couple weeks uh alabama has uh, been able to pull away by two scores uh but james burnup and will reichard i don't think nick saban would trade that pair for any pair right now burnup's bombing them uh 
from a, a punting standpoint, doing a really nice job. Reichert, as we know, has been money from a field goal perspective. Did kick a couple of kickoffs out of bounds uh, last week against Ole Miss. That was something that rankled uh, Nick Saban always does when that happens. Uh, but overall, those two have been outstanding. And then you throw in something like a, bro- a block punt from Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, and Alabama special teams has been more than solid of late. It has, you know, and you kind of wonder when are we going to see Alabama return to more of the non-offensive touchdowns that this program was so well-known for for it seemed like a decade or so. Um, and they've had opportunities. And, and if they do what they've done with situations like uh, Ja'Cory Brooks blocking that punt sooner or later, um, you're going to get back into that column more frequently than we've seen of late. So uh, the defense can provide some of that as well. So, you know, that's where you could see an uptick maybe as soon as this week. Um, I think both teams are going to feel like the return game is an area this week where they can make up some ground because Tulu Griffin, if he gets some opportunities on kickoffs, he's definitely got the potential from that standpoint. Uh, and then Kool-Aid McKinstry on punt returns. Uh, but as far as specialists go, absolutely. James Burnett, Will Reichard, Neil and Hibbett, um, those guys have been pretty much lights out. And to the extent where, you know, even when Alabama loses 22 yards on a possession that starts at the other team's one-yard line, you know, you know you can run Will Reichard out there from 40 in that situation, and he's pretty much going to drill it, which is what he continues to do. Salvage three points on a disaster of a drive right there, no doubt about it. All right, uh, let's check in really quick with the ticket man and the Vegas man, as we do on the midweeker each week. Uh, cheap ducats for this one, Travis, in Starkville. Uh, Tickets-wise, 30 40 bucks online right now. Obviously, it'll be cheaper than that around the stadium on game day. Uh, but uh, you can get in cheap for sure in the upper decks and even the premium seats. Took a quick look at those a little bit earlier today. Down in the lower bowl between the 40s, uh, about 100 bucks will get you home, uh, and even less in some places. And so um, not a not a, a, a bad way to spend a day pr- price and value-wise uh, for anybody who wants to grab some, some seats for uh, Davis Wade and make a relatively short drive over to Starkville, only about 90 minutes over there from Tuscaloosa, obviously. We got listeners – all over the state uh, from most places. It'd be a little longer than that to get to Starkville, but um, pretty inexpensive ticket right now. Yeah. And that's on Wednesday, right? So come Saturday, you ought to be able to do really well for yourself in the premium seating areas. And uh, that's a late kickoff, man. Um, And again, the home team has lost a couple games in a row. It is the imperfect storm for the local ticket man he doesn't appreciate that at all because you know in the preseason he's looking at that schedule and he's got that Alabama he got that big (laughs) like triple circle around Alabama he doesn't just circle Alabama once it's like triple circled and uh no not working out so well for him couple of losses offends the constituency yes yes (laughs) maybe Papio Daniel will still show up you know (laughs) Love to see him there. No doubt about it. All right. The Pressing Vegas the man. flash. <laughs> we ain't wanted a tie in here. Uh, yeah, we're asking me to kite. Uh, 
Alabama by 14 and a half is the betting spread. Travis, uh, Vegas man's got Alabama. Pretty heavy favorite on the road. I think it's understandable given the way Mississippi State has played of late. The over-under a little on the Moe side at 46 and a half. Also to be expected, I would say. Um, but uh, your thoughts on uh, the spread and or the total at 46 and a half? I'm stay away, Jay, when it comes uh-huh. to Bama spreads with this team so far this season. And I would probably prescribe the same approach for this week. I don't know about you. I'm runaway chase. Get away from that thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't like it either. My name's Paul, and that's between y'all. <laughs> that's, that's I do good. like one, however, around the league. <laughs> the uh, uh, You know, there, the time is going to come, Travis, when I'm not going to want to draw any attention at all to this weekly pick of mine. But while yeah. it's hot, yeah. I'm bringing it up. Uh, yeah. Called that over in the LSU-Arkansas game last year. Got home in the second half, looked bad at halftime. Yeah. Uh, that number was 54 and a half, and they barely scored at all first half, and then they turned it on, ended up scoring 65 total in that one, so that one came home pretty easily. Uh, I like Tennessee, South Carolina going under 64. Travis, this weekend, uh, I'm not quite so sure why that number's so high, uh, but uh, it struck me. And Kentucky minus one at home against Florida looked good to me. Um, How many is South Carolina getting on the road in Knoxville? Uh, because I, I would, I, I might like South Carolina in the points. Off the top I mean, of my head, I can't remember the number. I'm pretty sure Tennessee, it's double digits, though. Tennessee is struggling to score right now, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I, well, I think South Carolina is still going to score some points. And and I'm not saying to the extent that they'll go over the total that you told us about there at 64 or whatever. Um, big but I, I can see South Carolina being a, signing up for the full 60 minutes at Neyland Stadium, especially after that win over the Vols uh, in uh, Cola last season. I know there's all this revenge talk and this. Uh, Tennessee right now doesn't strike me as a team that is, uh, you know, playing to that sort of standard where you're expecting them to just roll South Carolina in large part because of the events of last November. All right. Right, absolutely. All right, uh, we are going to move on really quickly and thank a couple sponsors here on the Talking Tide podcast. We're going to start out by telling you a little bit about Heat Pizza Bar. If you're looking for a fun place and a great atmosphere to enjoy some fantastic pizza in Tuscaloosa, can't pick a better spot than Heat Pizza Bar, located downtown in Government Square, ranked one of the top pizzerias in all of Alabama, Flat screen TVs all over the place for you sports fans. Super sides, signature pizzas, great salads as well. They got some jalapeno poppers over there that you can't beat. Get over there. They've got a Wednesday special, uh, that fantastic chicken bacon ranch pizza that Frank Fleming's staff will serve up for just $9 from 2 to 6 p.m. And uh, you absolutely cannot beat that. Parking always easy with that Tuscaloosa Public Parking Garage right behind Heat Pizza Bar. Go check them out. 2256th Street, downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square Plaza. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. 16 years in business right there at that very same 
location. You know all about Peter Brook chocolates here at this point, but here's a reminder. How about some of that signature chocolate-covered popcorn? And, of course, football season means those real-sized chocolate footballs that are available to you. Right now at Peter Brook Chocolatier, you got Halloween coming up. Uh, every game day weekend, you need to check them out. Go by that uh, that center carousel area right there as you walk into the store. And if you like the bin items, say you like dark chocolate almonds, you like espresso beans covered in chocolate, you like malt balls covered in chocolate, you can make yourself just sort of this beautiful little bag of different treats and you'll be set. Do it today. Peter Brook Chocolates here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, check us out on Twitter as well at Talking underscore Tide, YouTube and Facebook as well. Travis will bounce around the Southeastern Conference really quick. Um, no non-conference games in the entire league this week. I want to say that's the first, this is the first week where it's uh, – Nothing but SEC versus SEC. Florida be at Kentucky, A&M at Arkansas, Georgia at Auburn, Missouri at Vanderbilt, LSU at Ole Miss. The aforementioned South Carolina Gamecocks traveling to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. And, of course, Alabama at Mississippi State. Uh, Travis, LSU, Ole Miss, one I'm going to have my on. Ole Miss still ranked at number 20 in the country. Uh, LSU comes in as the visiting team ranked 13th in the nation. And, this is the game, if you remember, Travis, that ran Ole Miss's season kind of off the rails last year. You remember Ole Miss got it, got out to like a 7-0 and start last year, and then LSU came in there and just rained on it. Um, that game was actually in Baton Rouge, of course. But this one in Oxford, it's going to be interesting to see how Lane Kiffin's squad bounces back from a disappointing loss to Alabama to turn around and now have to host those Tigers. Yeah, they do, and – Look, they've got to achieve some semblance of balance in this game. They've got to get Quinshawn Judkins going in the run game because if they don't and they expose Jud, uh, Jackson Dart to more of the sort of second-half beating that he took in Tuscaloosa, I just don't know about the shelf life for Dart. And I respect the guy. I love his toughness. I uh, love the way he plays. But you're going from Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell last week to Harold Perkins – in that LSU pass rush this week. So sustainability at the quarterback position. And look, we know Ole Miss has once again worked the transfer portal uh, in the most recent offseason. So there's depth there, but uh, you just don't want to see it if unless it, it just can't be avoided. And I think some of it can be, and hopefully uh, Jackson Dart's able to, to get through this one in one piece. Florida at Kentucky, Travis, the last Kentucky coach to beat Florida three years in a row, none other than Paul W. Bear Bryant. That was 1949, 50, and 51. Uh, Mark Stoops has got two in a row on those Gators, got a chance to make it three in a row and and join the Bear uh, with a home victory over the Gators. Uh, I think they got the better quarterback in Devin Leary. Um, they got that home field advantage. Uh, they're favored, I think, by just one point. So out in Vegas, they certainly expect it to be a tight game, and so do I. But I think I like UK in this one to to get over the hump again. Yeah, and a series that for so long was just absolutely dominated by Florida. But one of the accomplishments that Stoops has uh, achieved 
in Lexington is, you know, this type of series. And it's why he is entrenched, I think, for as long as he probably wants to be the coach at Kentucky. Uh, he is absolutely the guy. Um, you know, I, I think that Mertz has played better than some people expected him to play uh, for Florida at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I think for Florida, it's going to be about the two running backs, especially Etienne coming off the game he had against Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Uh, can Kentucky support Leary enough with some run game and that offensive line that was certainly beleaguered a year ago? Uh, that's what I think that game comes down to. Bad news out of College Station. Connor Weigman, the outstanding quarterback for Texas A&M, looks like he's out for the season. They're going to be turning to Max Johnson, presumably for the balance of the year and beginning with a road test at Arkansas. Uh, that that injury to Weigman, I think, Travis, especially considering that's at Arkansas, uh, that makes that game a lot more of a toss-up to me. Yeah, you know, the SEC, it seems like, is almost becoming like the NFL. You better have quarterback depth, right? Because Wiegman goes out, but it's a good situation for Texas A&M with Max Johnson, certainly a veteran of SEC wars. Um, talked about Jackson Dart earlier. Spencer Sanders comes in from Oklahoma State, so that's a good situation if, if it needs to be uh, play out that way for Lane Kiffin. Uh, but there are still teams you worry about, like Arkansas with K.J. Jefferson. Uh, even Jaden Daniels at LSU, uh, Nussmeyer, his backup, appears to be very capable. So, man, it, it's early in the season. We're already talking about contingency plans at quarterback for some of these SEC teams. Um, I still like Texas A&M, I think, over Arkansas, that game at Jerry World in Arlington because they still play that neutral site deal. That's right. Uh, with those two. But I think it'll be a I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a, a a fun game to watch. Yeah, I saw at Arkansas somewhere. They must just be the designated home team for that yeah, one or something. Kind of like Florida, Georgia and right. you know how that switches. But you know, I wonder too about Arkansas. They used a lot in Baton Rouge last Saturday night. And it was a courageous performance. KJ Jefferson, I thought was tremendous, but you know, what do they still have in the tank as they now go see Texas A&M in Arlington? All right. You mentioned quarterback depth, Travis, speaking of depth, let's take a dive in that two week, two deep tumbler really quickly before we get out of here. <laughs> uh, the tumbler skipped a week last week, of course, as you know, and, Didn't make the travel uh, now, squad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're on the road. Third string go. snapper doesn't travel. Didn't have Here an extra one fall out this time for a change. All right, uh, number thirty-two comes out of the two deep tumbler, and that's the aforementioned. It, they did it again, Travis Deontay Lawson. This tumbler is unbelievable. Whoever we're talking about, the, the timely it out tumbler. The number. It'll just be sponsored for, uh, by Timex. It's so timely. Just for verification, uh, you can see that 3-2 yeah, right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, at any rate, uh, Deontay Lawson, uh, a big, big key for this linebacker core. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the season he's having, you know this is an injury that, that Nick Saban's staff, and for Lawson for sure, you don't want it to linger. You don't want it to be something that, that hampers him or, or – puts him in a situation where he comes back but maybe needs a month to get back to himself, uh, which which happens sometimes with guys that come back from injuries where they're dealing with pain, but maybe the injury is is uh, is 
you know, for the most part healed. So uh, really as quickly as Alabama can get a 100% Deontay Lawson back on the field, they need it. They do. I, again, I think Campbell getting back to full health is huge because he has every down attributes, especially when you talk about getting into some third down situations. You know, I don't think Alabama will be in dime all that much Saturday night. I think they'll play a good bit of nickel, but when they go dime, if they go dime, that'll be something that you'll want to keep an eye on. Who is the Mac in the dime? Who is the lone inside linebacker that stays out there? Is it Jihad? Is it Tresman Marshall? Um, we've seen Kendrick Blackshire again play in some nickel and some situations and in, in pass rush opportunities that Alabama's had. So, um, you know, that's that's where I think it shows it'll show up the most uh, is is more so in those sub packages. And when it comes down to playing and coverage and just sideline to sideline ability. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up podcast network for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Be sure to join us. Uh, This coming weekend on Sunday, we will be recapping uh, Alabama's road game at Mississippi State. Until then, so long from Talking Tide.